Is hypergrowth achievable in the water industry? Wait, can you define hypergrowth? You mean in the context of water? No, in general. Okay. The Harvard Business Review first introduced hypergrowth as a concept in 2008. They defined it as the steep part of the S-curve that most young markets and industries experience at some point where the winners get sorted from the losers. Let me simplify this. A company that experiences hypergrowth is expanding and scaling at a pace that has seldom been seen before. In mathematical terms, the World Economic Forum gives you a hypergrowth badge whenever you grow by more than 40% every year. Hypergrowth is the typical path of a certain type of companies, the unicorns. Wait, they do exist? Yes, sweetie. Of course. Unicorns are private companies with a valuation of over $1 billion. The most famous former unicorns include Google, Airbnb or Facebook. And as per June 2021's count, there are 712 of them in the world. Can I have one? No, sweetie, sorry, because daddy works in the water industry. And there are no unicorns in the water industry or generally speaking in the environmental sector. Hence my opening question. Is hypergrowth achievable in the water industry? I've bothered many of my guests with this one. Here are two of their takes. First, Gaetan Susnet from the European WaterTech Accelerator. I don't think it's crazy. I think we should do it as well. I've been looking at different business models. Is the traditional VC model that we all know the right one for the water sector? That's a question. I don't have necessarily the answer today. But I think, you know, if European startups were able yeah, to sell a service and not a tech, and especially with digital water, that would change considerably the success in the water sector. I like your ambition about hypergrowth, but if we had just growth <laughs> to start with, I think, you know, I would be a very happy woman. And here, Megan Glover's inside of you, experiencing rapid growth firsthand as the CEO and co-founder of 120 Water. I don't know. Um, you know, I think our philosophy is we just want to grow as reasonable and fast as possible as the market will allow. But I think the market has to be ready for it because you can't manufacture growth. I think you have to have venture capital that's willing to understand that the market needs to dictate when they're ready to buy innovation and water. They somehow both cracked the secret. To achieve hypergrowth, you need venture capital. Mm, sorry, what's that? I'll explain. Venture capital is a type of financing where investors provide fundings to startups and small businesses against equity in the company. For instance, when you read that Transcend, led by CEO Ari Rivet, my guest by season one, episode 17, raises $10 million to accelerate its path, it's venture capital money. We usually differentiate venture capital from traditional investing because of the risk that comes with it. For instance, when Peter Thiel invested 500,000 US dollars in Facebook in 2004 against a 10-person equity, it could have been another MySpace. Swiftly up, swiftly down. Had it been the case, Thiel would just have lost his money. Instead of what we all know Facebook's success story, Peter Thiel sold his shares in 2012 for about 1 billion US dollars. So he multiplied his money by a mere 2000 within eight years. Are you jealous, Bitcoin? In a nutshell, venture capital has a high failure rate 
companies that never make it, but when it succeeds, the results are so spectacular that they cover all the losses and still bring substantial benefits. So, if venture capital money is the tool needed for hypergrowth, how much of it flows to the water industry today? I checked OECD's watchlist of venture capital investments over the decades between 2006 and 2016. I excluded later stage venture to focus on seed and early stage investments. According to these statistics, about 260 billion US dollars of venture capital money has been raised worldwide in these early stages. I then compared this number with the Count Bluetech Research CEO Paul O'Callaghan shared for that same decade in his PhD thesis, Dynamics of Water Innovation. He identified an investment of 1.75 billion US dollars in early stage water companies. This means that about 0.7% of early stage venture capital money flows to the water sector. Not too bad, but clearly low when you consider that unsafe drinking water is in the world's top 5 of health risks, while water scarcity could cost the world's economy up to 7 GDP points. So why so few investments in the water industry? Is it because water startups fail more than average, thus raising the risk for investors? I asked Paul O'Callaghan for some wisdom. The venture capital investment community would typically anticipate that 10% of their companies might might make it, they might succeed. So the success rate is relatively in keeping with that trend. The surprising thing about the water sector is the number that they don't disappear or fail and they don't really make it. They kind of live in this kind of no man's land, this gray area, gray zone where they're neither very successful and yet they kind of hang on for a decade or two decades. So that's probably what's most unique, I think, about the water sector compared to other industries. So no. Water companies don't fail more than the average. But if that's not preventing them from achieving hypergrowth, what does? From the point where you take an idea out of a laboratory and you begin your first pilot to the point where it now is right in the middle of the market, there are you know a hundred or more plants out there and the market's going really rapidly, that whole time frame, that can take about 12 to 16 years. So if you're a startup company today in 2021 and you just did your first pilot. You would expect that maybe in 12 to 16 years time, this would be a mainstream market opportunity that's growing very, very rapidly. And it might move a little bit faster if it's a crisis driven or a needs driven market, but those are the average timelines. There we are. Innovation ticks at a particular pace in the water industry. A typical timeline for venture capital is to seek an exit from their investments after seven to 10 years. But if you do so in the water industry, you'll be trying to exit when the company is still crossing the chasm, long before it gains traction. So did we answer the starting question? Not really. Is hypergrowth possible in the water industry? Well, there are no examples yet that would prove it to be possible and good reasons to explain why it never happened so far. Yet, if startup founders could leverage a better understanding of the way innovation ticks in the water sector, they may break the curse. Let me tell you that Paul O'Callaghan shares many helpful hints in that direction in the full-length interview he gave on the Don't Waste Water podcast. You shall check it out. Finally, another path to explore would be to see more dedicated investors focus on the water industry, be it early-stage accelerators like the Elemental Accelerator and the European Water Tech Accelerator you already heard on that microphone, 
or specialized venture capital funds and sustainable investors. Thus, hypergrowth may become possible in the water sector. And who knows, maybe even desirable. But that's a different story. Stay tuned if you don't want to miss it. See you soon. Mm -hmm.